Hi, I'm Mike from the Genuine Chit Chat Podcast, where we have honest conversations with interesting people. I speak to a wide variety of guests, from travellers to musicians, to those afflicted with mental or physical illnesses. There's really no subject that's off-limits, from movies to politics, and even controversial topics ranging from sex to drug reform and political correctness. So if you still believe in the art of conversation, are intrigued by healthy debates with different ideas and perspectives you may not have thought of, and want a podcast where every episode is about something different with a variety of guests, then this may be the podcast for you. You can hear us on YouTube and all your favourite podcast apps, and follow us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. So if you want to hang out and listen to honest conversations with interesting people, then come to Genuine Chit Chat, where I'm your host, Mike Burton. Marie! Chris! Another episode. Chris Coxwell. We've uh, got another episode for uh, you. Huh. Uh, oh, I like how you're just my hype man for that. That's good. I so oh. am. I what? so am your hype man, uh-huh. Marie. What? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so this episode, we are going to be talking about the rain of weird things from the sky. <laughs> Not rain as in R-E-I-G-N, but R uh rain. R-A-I-N. Yes, that is correct. R-A-I-N. So we're gonna be talking about uh raining fish, raining birds, and raining blood on this episode of Slayer the Mad Scientist Podcast. Okay, we're back. Did you get your book? I did. What book did you get? Mysteries of the Unexplained. One of the greatest books of all time, Marie. We were actually just talking about this. Oh my god. Are you excited? I'm totally excited. Are you kidding me? I love it. I love it when weird stuff falls out of the sky. I'm who I'm, doesn't? I am super <laughs> excited. So this episode actually mm. is inspired by one of my favorite books, which was just mentioned on the Astonishing Legends Facebook page, which is mm-hmm. Mysteries of the Unexplained which is by Reader's Digest. It is such a good book. And it's so, it's got such, it's just got so many weird things going on in here. It's got crystal skulls in there, right? It really it does. Of course skulls. it does. Yeah, oh. it's, got, it's got all kinds of nut stuff, right? And so one of, the, one of my favorite things that it has from back when I remember reading it as a kid is uh, the issue of stuff, weird, weird rains and things falling out of the sky. Yes. Right. Yes. And so it's it's really interesting. And so some of those things are the following, you know, the falling of uh, of frogs or, or fish or whatever, right? Yes. But it's not just those things. It's all kinds of weird stuff. So this episode, we're going to be specifically focusing on rains of fish and animals and uh, rains of blood and things. So uh, we're pretty excited here, Marie. Yes. Okay. Anytime that we get to we get to herald back to one of our one of the the biggest influences in all of our young childhoods with those oh. types of books. It's like, of course, of course. It's always a good it's always a good day when I get to do that, Marie. Um so uh so here is uh here is one of the funny ones that I really like, right? Um mm-hmm. so this one is from <laughs> What's the word? So this is from uh, October 1890 by um, 
what's his name? Mr. Mm-hmm. Wright of Penpoint, uh, Dumfrieshire, Scotland. So, quote, Oh, Scotland. I was struck by a strange appearance in the atmosphere, which I at first mistook for a flock of birds. But as I saw them falling to the earth, my curiosity was quickened. Fixing my eyes on one of the larger of them and running about a hundred yards up the hill until directly underneath, I awaited its arrival, which I found to be an oak leaf. Looking upwards, the air was thick with them, and as they ascended in an almost vertical direction, oscillating and glittering in the sunshine, the spectacle was as beautiful as rare. On examination of the hills after the leaves had fallen, it was found that they covered a tract of about a mile wide and two miles long. The leaves were wholly those of the oak. No oak trees grow in clumps together nearer than eight miles. The aged shepherd, who had been on the farm since 1826, never witnessed a similar occurrence, which was in nature, uh, actually, in 1890. Hmm. So, the idea of weird things falling from the sky is not a new, uh, what's the no. word? Phenomenon. It's, no, it is not, is not a new phenomenon at all. Nope. And so... um. What's really interesting is some of these go back all the way to, say, before, uh, you know, really before history, quote unquote, as we understand it, is recorded. So So what do we what do we mean here? So what we're talking about are uh, the falling of just odd things from the sky that you don't you don't expect. So um, it's not rain stuff that should be that's that's falling in mass in a certain amount of time that shouldn't. Right. Exactly. So uh, some of these are really interesting. So some of the earliest ones that we find are the falling of objects that are recorded in the Old Testament of the Bible. So, for instance, this is a um, this is from the book of Joshua in the Old Testament, um, chapter 10, verse 11. So, quote, and as they fled before Israel, while they were going down the ascent of Beth Haran, the Lord threw down great stones from heaven upon them as far as Zazekah, and they died. There were more who died because of the hailstones than the men of Israel killed with a sword. Interesting. Yeah, so you're sort of setting precedent, right? I mean, it's in the Bible and it's it's one of the you know ways that you are smited pretty much. Yes. Right? I mean, it's an act of God. Is exactly. Is. If it's not rain, I mean, I mean, they did they had acts of God associated with rain in the Old Testament. Don't get me wrong, but again, something like this is is a biblical event. Yeah, and obviously one of the most common of those is the idea of like in the in the you know Moses escaping or Moses leading the Jews out of uh, Egypt, right? Mm-hmm. This idea mm-hmm. of God, you know, raining hailstones or or raining uh, raining frogs or whatever. These right. are you know these stories. Yep. Interestingly, actually appeared to happen. Okay. Yes. So I'm going to read another another one that I think is really interesting. So this is from. Um, this is from Greek historian Athenius, which is mm-hmm. um, from his historical anthology, um, Dipnosophistae, or Banquet of the Sophists. So this is from about 200 AD. Quote, I also know that it has very often rained fishes. At all events, Phineas, in the second book of his Eurasian Magistrates, says that in the Caronesius, uh, the word means simply peninsula in Greek, and the exact locality referred to as uncertain. It once rained fish uninterruptedly for three days. And Philarchus, in his fourth book, says that people had often seen it raining fish, and often also raining wheat, and that the same thing had happened with respect to frogs. At all events, Heraclides Lembus, in the 21st book of his history, says, In Paeonia and Dardania it has, they say, before now rained frogs. And so great has been the number of these frogs, that the houses and the roads have been full of them. 
and at first for some days, the inhabitants endeavoring to kill them and shutting up their houses endured the pest. But when they did no good but found that all their vessels were filled with them, and the frogs were found to be boiled up and roasting with everything they ate, and when besides all this they could not make use of any water, nor put their feet on the ground for the heaps of frogs that were everywhere, and were annoyed also by the smell of those that died, they fled the country. End quote. What? That's quite the, uh, that's quite the storm. If you well, have, like, a actual buildup of frogs... Yeah, it's not, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's a crazy amount of frogs. It's, it's insane. It's insane. I have it's, one that's more recent. Go ahead. So I think, like, I think the thing that, that to me is so interesting is like, so you have these sort of historical, like past historical events that are, that are biblical or that are from ancient times, but you can kind of, they probably are based, they're based on something, but they may have been exaggerated or turned more into a cautionary or, some sort of, you know, just so story in some ways, like this is, we're going to take this actual event, but make it mean something a little bit more. Yeah. One of the things that I thought was sort of interesting is going back and looking in the phone, in the farmer's almanac, one of the earliest events of weird things falling from the sky. Um, They track online as um, on their online sites in 1876, a strange thing happened at Alan Crouch's home in Olympia Springs, Kentucky. Crouch's Hmm. wife was outside making soap, as you do, making soap when chunks of raw meat, some of them more than three, three inches in diameter, started to fall out of the sky all around her. So that's kind of gross, right? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> raw meat like she's out there like again this 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 godly good woman is out there you know making soap in 1870 1876 and chunks of raw meat are falling around her as newspapers report two men who identities are unknown tasted the meat and thought it either tasted like venison or mutton so then it's sort of like what like you're gonna try it like you're just gonna be like all right well let's let's pick up this meat that just fell from the sky and, and take a bite um, the grisly mystery went unsolved for months as researchers debated the cause of the meat shower. Finally, one doctor came upon the most uh, logical conclusion. The meat shower was made up of vulture vomit. Vultures are known to vomit as a way to defend themselves or make their bodies lighter so they could fly more easily. So definitely gross. a case of being in the wrong place at the wrong time. So gross. But isn't that like, but it's natural, right? It's like, okay, so basically a vulture, you know, you have vultures, maybe a couple flying. They're getting up to, you know, whatever their flying altitude is. They're, they feel too heavy. They are going to just, that's a natural thing. They're either going to poop it out or vomit it out. And they vomited it out onto a place where, again, it doesn't have to be very big. It's not like a town. Just one person, right, was just out there making soap, minding her own business. And then she was just showered upon with uh, chunks of raw meat. Well, what's great, what's crazy to me. So those what's crazy to me, though, are those cases where it is an entire town. Oh, yes. Yeah. So this is just a small one, but it's historical, too. I love that. Okay. Yeah, that's really interesting. So one of the most famous cases. So, okay, what what often happens in these cases is a, Mm -hmm. a a particularly strong storm or something of note happens. Then suddenly it rains and with the rain comes either fish or frogs or meat yes. or jelly or just something unexplainable. 
Sometimes it's yes. hay. Sometimes it's leaves, like we said in the beginning. Um, but most often these stories are related to fish, frogs, and then also rain that is uh, rain that appears to be red in color, like blood. Yes. So the most and, and what's interesting, too, is when these fish or these animals fall, they appear to be alive still. It's not like they're it's not like it's dead. It's not always dead meat like Marie described. A lot of the times these are still, you know, <laughs> certainly special the, events. The fish fall and they're like flapping around <laughs> still or the frogs. I, I love one quote I saw, which was the frogs just seemed kind of dismayed, but then just went about their business. <laughs> you know, like what business? But OK, you know, so <laughs> this is a case. This is a case. Actually, one of the most one of the most famous cases of this is from Singapore in 1861. Mm. So there was a there was an earthquake that hit the city. And after that, uh, extreme, extreme heavy rain from the 20th, 21st, and 22nd of February. And again, this is 1861. And a uh, naturalist was actually there. Francis de Castanal was there and gave the following eyewitness account. Quote, at 10 o'clock, mm-hmm. at 10 o'clock, Marie! At 10 o'clock, the sun lifted, and from my window, I saw a large number of Malays and Chinese filling baskets with fishes, which they picked up in the pools of rainwater, which covered the ground. On being asked where the fish came from, the natives replied that they had fallen from the sky. Three days afterwards, when the pools had dried up, we found many dead fishes. Having examined the animals, I recognized them as Clarius batrachii, a species of catfish which is very rare which is very abundant, rather, in freshwater in Singapore and in the Malayan Peninsula, in Siam, Sumatra, Borneo, etc. They were from 25 to 30 centimeters long and therefore adult. These psilaroids, the same as Opphocephalus, etc., are able to live a long time out of water and to progress some distance on land, and I thought at once that they had come from small overflowing stream nearby. But the yard of the house I inhabited is enclosed by a wall that would, in- that would prevent them from entering in this manner. An old Malay has since told me that in his youth, he had seen a similar phenomena, end quote. What's so his example or his thinking there was that it was actually um, what's the word that they had actually kind run of off. run off towards him or towards this area. Mm-hmm. But like he said, there was a wall around this backyard that he was in. So how would that have made sense? Right. What's interesting is actually in these areas, like in say Sri Lanka or, you know, Malaysia or Singapore, these are actually pretty common. So there is actually a festival that occurs every year um, in Honduras. So this is, you know, obviously so South of the equator, um, these things occur in some places they occur regularly. So this is called the Luvia de Pesci's. Or uh, the rain of fish, also known as the aquacero de pescado or downpour of fish. Nice. Um, that's, a, so, that's very melodic sounding. Thank Yeah. So supposedly it occurs every year and has for more than a century in Yoro, Honduras. There's a festival every year. Is there a and queen? So, do they crown a queen? Come on. I don't, I don't think they sweet. do. However, that's so the, the, so there's a, le- there's a legend that goes with this case. So um, – Essentially, uh, Father Subarana saw how poor the people of Honduras were and prayed three days and three nights asking God for a miracle to help the poor people. After these three days and nights, God took note of this, and there came a dark cloud. Lots of tasty fish rained down from the sky, feeding all the people. Since then, this wonder is repeated every year. Uh, There's also actually – these things aren't just happening in the distant past either. In 2012, there was a rain of fish in Sri Lanka. Um, mm-hmm. And then again in 2014, um, 
where there's actually um, what's the word? Um, there are fish that were f- uh, between three to five inches long um, falling from the sky. <laughs> and so uh, this actually happened after in 2012, a prawn rain where uh, some uh, prawns had fallen as well. Very interesting. So the explanation for these cases or one of the explanations that's kind of interesting um, was originally put forward by Andre Marie Ampere, who uh, you might know of or, or ex- you know, hear the name of the Ampere, which is a unit of mm-hmm. electrical current, right? The mm-hmm. amp. Um, mm-hmm. That's who it's named after. So uh, he what suggested you know about fishes raining from the sky. So what he suggested was that they were uh, these frogs, toads, and whatever were roaming the countryside, and then and then violent winds were picking them up and carrying them over great distances. However, um, what has currently been seen is that it's likely tornadic water spouts. Yeah. So essentially, a a great uh, you know violent a violent wind kicks up on the. Uh, along the lake or the water body itself. It picks up fish who are light and are in those general areas. It lifts them up and then it drops them off wherever the wind tunnel goes, uh, which is a really interesting part of this story, a really interesting theory. Now, one issue with that theory though, is that Mm -hmm. it's always this. It's not like if that was the case, you would expect it to be random fish. At least I would. Right. Mm -hmm. I'd expect it to be like, oh, it's a frog and a fish and maybe a catfish and some bass and, you know, whatever, sunfish and whatever. But it's it's almost always very specific to like one or two species of or or just one species of fish or frog or toad. Yeah, I noticed that, too. And it's that is that's that is sort of a, a fly in the ointment of that argument. Like, that seems weird. I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. Alright, you think that was good enough? I I hope so, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? I've never done it. (laughs) The issue, though, that's kind of what's kind of interesting, though, is that we we have actually Doppler radar images that show how this could happen and actually see it happening in action. So, for instance, uh, there's an image from Texas that shows a group of bats being um, taken up by a thunderstorm, essentially. Um, Yeah, which is sad. Poor bats. They're all like, what? There's also the case. uh, There's also the case actually relatively recently of um, BB Arkansas. So this is from the BBC. Uh this is what Cold. I was going to get to. Yeah. Yeah. So Marie, do you want to read, yes. do you want to read or tell us about this story? Well, no, I think, so this is a little different, right? So this, this to me is, is kind of moving from like, you have these, you have these uh, reports of live events with the fish and the frogs, the tadpoles, things that are alive. 
And then you have this weird event that is much more recent, which is 2010 in Arkansas, um, New Year's Day, the uh, people go outside and they find either um, they find either either they saw them falling or they find thousands of dead birds. Um, and they are just one type of bird. They are the red-winged blackbird. So the male red-winged blackbird is very striking in that he, it's entirely black, and then it has this bright red-orange patch on both of its wings. The female just, you know, unfortunately, just looks like any other kind of bird and is just sort of brown and white, right? But so it's like, it's it's this weird event that happened on New Year's Day, which is very fraught with significance anyways in, in, in timing, you know, on a calendar. And then you've got this very striking, um, this very striking dead animal in it, in the thousands of this black bird with a red wing. And so everyone was like, what, what possibly could have caused this event? You know, cause they're not, again, Arkansas, not, not close to water. They weren't, they weren't wet when they fell. I think they just came out and there was just all of these thousands of dead birds just laying there. And you can take some of it from here. We can, we'll trade off on the stories of like what happened to these poor, or what this was about. <laughs> okay. So, um, so what ended up happening then essentially was they were trying to figure out what, what the issue was. Right. Yeah. And so what it ended up seeming to be caused by was fireworks. Right. If I, if, if I remember mm-hmm. correctly here, they think that that's the case. So they, they went and they had, again, they had the, um, they had an initial assessment done and they were like, okay, they know, but it's, blunt force trauma that mm. happened that blunt force trauma to the head and to the breast. So they're like, well, did that's, that is, that doesn't make any sense. And then they went back and they, it finally, they think was solved by the fact that it was a, um, the fishing game, um, came back really quickly. So fishing game came back and they said, uh, there was no pesticide, so it wasn't poisoning. And you can also imagine, like, if you are living in the town of Bay Bay, Arkansas, and you are looking outside of your window, and you see a bunch of people in, like, hazmat suits picking up dead birds from your neighbor's front lawn, you might start to spin out a little bit. Like, you want to talk about a conspiratorial mindset. Like, you might be like, okay, what's going on? Like, first of all, New Year's, we're all out, you know, having a beer and a barbecue. And then all of a sudden these dead birds start to fall from the sky in 2010. And then the next day the government sends out hazmats to go collect all these dead birds. Something is up. Something is not being told to us. So there was this huge, like, this kind of rampant, um, you know, conspiracy about like, well, is it the government? Was it a plague? You know, is it a biblical event? But really, to your point, what they think caused it was was uh, was a a startling and a event from the fireworks that went off. Hmm. Interesting. So actually, another another example of that kind of behavior of birds like attack seemingly attacking homes Mm -hmm. was the inspiration for Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds, obviously. 
And so it occurred Mm -hmm. in the summer of 1961. It was a bunch of seabirds that were just running directly into homes across California's Monterey Bay. And so in uh, around, I want to say around like 2012, 2010, somewhere in that time period, scientists actually said that they believed, or biologists rather, um, Siebel Bargu at LSU, said that he believed that the birds were poisoned. So specifically she was saying that um, if you look at the stomach contents of turtles and seabirds um, that were collected during the uh, Monterey Bay ship surveys, they all contained a toxic algae that causes nerve and brain damage. And so the birds were likely eating anchovies and squid that had this toxin within their bodies. And so they were, um, what's the word? They were then basically just going wild and running into, uh, running into homes. Oh my God. Yeah. Pretty scary, right? Nature is wild, Marie. Nature's a little wild. So I, I did just find the site that also explains what they think happened again with the fireworks in 2010. Um, but they would be roosting in the, the hundreds of thousands when they're disturbed by something like fireworks. They go on the wing in panic, get disoriented and can crash into things and even straight into one another. Mm. So that's what, again, just a full panic caused by caused by sudden noise. Um, Interesting. That, that's that loud. I think what's, you know, but again, it's sort of like all caused by humans, right? It's mm. not a, it's not an apocalypse event only in the respect that we are the ones that are sort of causing it. Right. Well, um, actually, yeah. yeah. What's, what's actually <laughs> interesting is that the mass death of birds is something we're going to touch on in our next long form series yeah. uh, with Rachel Carson. So it's kind of an interesting thing that a lot of the times these events with birds, at least are humans messing with the ecosystem and not meaning to. Uh, yeah. which, which, which kind of sucks. You know, we're not, we're not great stewards necessarily, Marie. No, we're not too, we're not too good with that. I feel <laughs> bad for the birds. All right. So I think, I think we've pretty fully understood or discussed fish fallen, frogs fallen, and then birds. Another thing that's wild that'll happen sometimes with rain is it'll appear to rain blood. Now, the original case of this, or rather, some of the first recorded cases of this are from, say, Homer's Iliad or, you know, the uh, works of um, of Plutarch or Romulus, uh, or rather Plutarch. And uh, Plutarch was talking about the uh, blood rain that occurred with the uh, founding of Rome by Romulus. Also, Livy and Pliny the Elder talked about it a little bit. However, um, one of the most interesting, I think, was an event that was described by Laemon in a poem, Brute, which talks about blood rain. It says, in the same time... Here came a strange token, such as before never came, nor never hitherto since. From heaven here came a marvelous flood. Three days it rained blood, three days and three nights. That was exceedingly great, exceeding great harm. When the rain was gone, here came another token anon. Here came black flies and flew in men's eyes, in their mouth and their nose. Their lives went all to destruction. Such multitude of flies here was they that ate the corn and the grass. Woe is all the folk that dwelt in the land. Thereafter came such a mortality that few here remained alive. Afterward, here came an evil hap that King Rewald died. End quote. Yeah. Yeah. Blood a- rain. Blood rain is always has always kind of been taken as a portent of of evil right, or a bad. Omen. Don't say. Yeah. yeah. And so one of the one of the interesting things that originally brought it out or, or one of the things that made it popular was the Black Death. Um, it was thought that blood rain would come before the Black Death. So if you 
had rain that was red in color or ironish in its taste or something, that it was likely a sign that the Black Death was coming to your town. However, it. it it started. So goth. Sorry. Yeah, it's really interesting, right? Um, <laughs> it, however, was quickly started to be moved away from these ideas of kind of a superstitious base or a more mystical background to naturalists or scientists coming forward and saying like, nah, man, it's probably just this. Right. Um, so for instance, uh, Giuse- sports. so Giuseppe Maria Giovane in, a uh, what's it in 1803 talked about a blood rain that fell on Puglia, which is a part of Italy. Uh, actually that my, my family is from, he said that he believed that it was rain caused by the explosion of Mount Vesuvius or Etna. And so that that was caused by uh, the ash and things from the ground um, actually being uh, that going up into the air as well as matter coming from the seafloor, right? And so then it was all this red sand and all this ash and stuff that was falling over after the uh, explosion, and then that was being rained down upon the land, which was probably the correct example there, right? However, um, the recent example of this that was probably very interesting or our listeners have maybe heard of was a blood rain that fell in Kerala, India in 2001 and then fell again in 2012. So Kerala is an area on the Southwestern coast of India. um, And it, it became, it became um, what's the word? It became famous uh, for this. uh, What's the word for this blood rain that occurred there. Right. And so uh, essentially what occurred was, um, you know, people were uh, what's the word? So. okay, here we go. So um, so this is uh, so this area in Kerala, this was a uh, a red rain that occurred actually in uh, Sri Lanka as well. So this year it says, uh, quote, red rain in Sri Lanka by Ridma Disanayaki from the uh, Daily News of Sri Lanka, their national newspaper. So, quote, rare showers of red rain fell for over 15 minutes in Sewanagala, Mong, Monaralagala. And, oh, this, why did I pick this name? Mm. <laughs> blank and blank. Yesterday morning, hours of yesterday, the day before yesterday. According to the meteorology department sources, red rain fell heavily in these areas and the reason has not yet been found. Um, it left, it left red frost on the ground and, um, was actually then studied by various scientists. Now, what was actually found at the time period was that those red those red rains, as well as the rain in Kerala, was likely caused by a uh, the red spores of a green microalgae known as uh, Trentifolia. So, what they found was that um, this is an introduced species from Australia that isn't normally found in the area. So, it's a new species. It's kind of taking over. And so from that, you have this uh, blood rain that is then occurring yeah. and hitting the hey, ground. Thanks, Australia. How about some blood rain? How about that? Yeah. It's Sorry. a little scary, right? It's a little interesting. It's a lot scary. I mean, and again, I think if you didn't have any association with anything else attached to, you know, if you didn't see something red falling from the sky, it would you may your natural inclination might be it's a natural event or it's a more natural event. But when something like blood falls from the sky, you're just, there's a lot that goes with that. Yeah. 
So what's really interesting with this is, and it, you know, there's listeners, if it's not apparent, there's not a whole lot of meat to these stories generally. Like it's, it's interesting and there's a lot of cases of them over the years, but it's not really mysterious anymore. We kind of know why it happened, but one, one kind of interesting little historical tidbit that I found going through this stuff that I thought was kind of cool was the story or the saying it's raining cats and dogs, right? Oh yeah. So yeah. there, yeah, there yeah, are yeah. a lot, there are a lot of sayings like that actually, which is really funny. I wanted to read a couple of them here, Marie, cause I really like them. Right. So one of them is, um, what's it? One of them is from Albanian, uh, Pobjon Zoti Shurin, which translates to God is taking a piss, <laughs> which is pretty fun. There's one in um there's one in Cantonese that translates to it's raining dogs poo. Right? Aww. There's there's a whole bunch of them. There's one in Dutch that uh translates to old women, which is used as a thing as used as a as a saying for it's raining heavily, right? It's, it's so, raining old women? It's it's no no, it's just old women. Oh, it's right? just old women. Another okay. one in Finnish, another one in Finnish is it's raining like from Esteri's ass. Which that one I just don't understand. Okay. Yeah, no, it doesn't make is, a yeah. lot of sense, that's, right? That's so um, in Spanish, in Spanish, the the one of the sayings for it's raining cats and dogs though is it's raining cat, it's raining toads and snakes. Okay, um, well that's a little closer, right? Yeah, a, l- a little bit closer, right? A little closer, now, right? What's What's interesting though with all these things is that uh, th- there's no, there's really no example, or there's really no reason to think that it ever actually rained cats and dogs. However, we don't have a lot of good reason to to know why where that saying come from or why it's a saying in the first mm-hmm. place. It just appears to be kind of part of a long history of random sayings for when it's raining heavily outside. Mm-hmm. But a really interesting connection, I think, is actually from a, a story, not a story, but a poem written by Jonathan Swift called A Description of a City Shower. And I kind of wanted to read the whole thing because it's really funny. Um well, I don't know, really funny. It's a little it's a little strange, but it's kind of cool. So, Marie, you ready for poem reading? I'm ready. I'm ready for okay. poem reading. So, quote, again, this is a description of a city shower by Jonathan Swift. So, quote, Careful observers may foretell the hour by sure prognostics when to dread a shower. While rain depends, the pensive cat gives over her frolics and pursues her tales no more. Returning home at night, you'll find the sink. Strike your offended sense with double stink. If you be wise, then go not far to dine. You'll spend in coach hire more than save in wine. A coming shower, your shooting corns presage. Old aches throb, your hollow tooth will rage. Sauntering in coffee houses, dullman seen. He damns the climate and complains of spleen. Meanwhile, the south, rising with dabbled wings, a sable cloud athwart with the welkin flings, that swilled more liquor than it could contain, and like a drunkard gives it up again. Brisk Susan whips her linen from the rope, while the first drizzling shower is born a slope. Such is that sprinkling which some careless queen flirts on you from her mop, but not so clean. You fly, invoke the gods, then turning, stop. To rail, she singing, still whirls on her mop. Not yet the dust had shunned the unequal strife, but aided by the wind, fought still for life, and wafted with its foe by violent gust. T'was doubtful which was rain and which was dust. Ah, where must needy poets seek for aid? When dust and rain at once his coat invade. Soul coat, where dust cemented by the rain, erects the nap and leaves a mingled stain. Now in contiguous drops the flood comes down, threatening with deluge this devoted town. To shops and crowds the daggled females fly, 
Pretend to cheapen goods, but nothing buy. The Templar spruce, while every spout's a brooch, stays till tis fair, yet seems to call a coach. The tucked-up sempstress walks with hasty strides, while seams run down her oiled umbrella's sides. Her various kinds, by various fortunes led, commence acquaintance underneath a shed. Triumphant Tories in desponding wigs forget their feuds and join to save their wigs. Box in a chair of a bow and patient sits, while spouts run clattering o'er the roof by fits, and ever and anon with frightful din, the leather sounds, he trembles from within. So when Troy chairman broke the wooden steed, pregnant with Greeks and patient to be freed, those bully Greeks who, as the moderns do, instead of paying chairman, run them through. Laocoon struck the outside with his spear, and each imprisoned hero quaked for fear. Now from all parts the swelling kennels flow, and bear their trophies with them as they go. Filth of all hues and odors seem to tell what street they sailed from by their sight and smell. They, as each torrent drives with rapid force, from Smithfield or St. Polker's shape their course. And each huge confluence joined at Snow Hill Ridge, fall from the conduit prone to Holborn Bridge. Sweepings from butcher stalls, dung, guts, and blood. Drowned puppies, stinking sprats, all drenched in mud. Dead cats and turnip tops come tumbling down the flood. End quote. Hmm. A very, a very, uh, a very smelly and evocative yeah. poem about the rains in London before, before, like, public, uh, public works yeah. and sewage and things were Yeah. Right. Dead puppies and cats. There you have it. Oh, yeah. Nice. Oh, it's so gross. <laughs> it's gross. That might be where it came from. That's even sadder because you're always like, oh, it's raining cats and dogs. Right. Uh, oh. <laughs> well, oh. I just have, I have one more kind of weird, freaky rain. Let's hear it, Marie. Too. So, as you know, like a lot of this, as you were saying, like with Australia, I they have a report of uh it raining spiders in australia and oh mostly God. because a certain spider can travel by ballooning right which is they climb to the tallest part of certain trees in a given area or shrubs and then the their their silk strands that allow them you know that their wheat that they're constructing their webs out of are carried up by the breeze and if there's enough of them you know and normally you wouldn't you wouldn't see something like this or it wouldn't notice like one or two spiders, but if it, they come on mass, then you have a, you have a Australian spider rain, which again, Australia. All right. And this happened as recently as 2012, 2015. And when it, and when it occurs, the residents say it looks like it's snowing outside as the spiders drift down and the webs blanket the landscape. God, it's terrible. Yeah, you know why? Australia. Australia <laughs> wants to kill you. It wants to kill you. And before it kills you, it wants to mentally drive you to a place of fear that you can't come out of. And you pray <laughs> for the merciful death that that stinging animal or whatever it is is going to give you. Thank you, oh, Australia. Thank you, Australia, is. for the horror that is our oh, lives. Jeez, man. So, Good yeah. stuff, Marie. God, I know. I'm staying indoors. Me too. I'm staying Jeez. indoors for the next uh, next time period. That's all. Well, listeners, yeah. this has been this has been a fun episode. Stay inside. <laughs> Stay inside. Don't go out Stay there. Stay inside. 
There's too much risk to the reins. This is just not fun stuff. We will be back next week with an episode on Silent Spring, the beginning of our long form series. Finally, that we've been teasing for such a long time. Bum, bum, bum. I'm very excited. I'm your host, Chris Cogs. We'll hear as always with my co-host, Marie Mayhew. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you again, dear listeners, for listening to the Mad Scientist podcast. I have been your host, Chris Cogswell, joined by my co-host, Marie Mayhew. If you'd like to contact the show, please send us an email at themadscientistpodcast at gmail.com. That's all one word. You can also follow us on Twitter at Mad Scientist Pod or at Team Giant Squid for Marie. And of course, you can see us on Facebook, on Instagram, and all over the internet as the Mad Scientist Podcast. And again, our logo is the one with the pumpkin head, so it's easy to see. Mm-hmm. If you've enjoyed the show tonight, please consider supporting us on Patreon, where the money that you give to us will help us to promote this show further, to make it better, and just to spend more time making it. Because we love doing that. We do love doing that. Our logo was designed by Carrie Shaheen, our... Web design is done by Desdemona Howard. Woo-hoo. And our sound design is done by Jake Cardinal. Thanks again for listening. <laughs> Thank you. This has been a damn it chippy production. I'm Ken Harbaugh, host of Warriors in Their Own Words, a podcast that presents the unvarnished, unsanitized truth of what we have asked of those who defend this nation. As a country, we need these stories more than ever. Stories from Americans who have borne the battle, including 30-year-old remastered interviews with veterans from World War I recounting their time in the trenches of Europe, and with veterans from World War II, Korea, Vietnam, and from our most recent conflicts in Iraq, Afghanistan, and other battlefields Americans may never have heard of. Hear their stories by listening to Warriors in Their Own Words wherever you find podcasts.